Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Between aging and busy lifestyles, many women struggle with maintaining their physical and mental wellness. At Aquavita Concierge Healthcare Services for Women, we can help you revitalize your health and reclaim your life. We start from within by balancing your hormones, allowing your body to achieve and maintain desired weight goals. We also specialize in peptide therapies, regenerative medicine, sexual health, and aesthetics in our state-of-the-art facilities. Feel better, look better, live better. At Aquavita, visit aquavitality.com and begin your journey today. Welcome back to another edition of the Stochastic.com MMA strategy shows. We're here to get you ready for Saturday's UFC Long Island, which will be an early start there on Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern time. We'll be locked on Saturday with the prelims main card, 2 p.m. Eastern time headline by a featherweight match between Brian Ortega and Yair Rodriguez. Myself and Bill will be here for the next hour. Break it down. This fight card. We are sponsored by Prize Picks. Talk about some of those props over Prize Picks. I'm already targeting some of those fight time props over at Prize Picks. Also, some of those takedown props are kind of interesting as well. But of course, as always, here on stochastic.com, I am joined by the fighter Pete Rogers Jr. Good afternoon, Pete. How's it going, bro? Good afternoon. Uh, daytime fights coming up on Saturday, and I cannot be more excited. Hey, early showtime on Saturday, bro. You got to set that alarm. Make sure you're up. Yeah, I, bro. You don't got to worry about me. I'm, I'm, I'm an early riser and grinding all day. So, uh, It'll, it'll be nice to, to have the night off where I'm not just watching fights and probably won't get called into work. So me and the lady might go out. We'll do something. Hey, look, I, I love some you know, early uh, early day MMA. I'm always a, a big fan of that one. Of course, uh, if you've got any questions on the fights, leave those right here in the chat. Uh, be sure to hit that thumbs up button. It really helps us out a ton as well. Of course, if you're not subscribed, so Castic, hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell so you know when a show is live here on the channel. And of course, if you're not a Stochastic Plus member and you want to get a little peek, what's behind the paywall today's free premium data and tools are MLB player projections. I'll definitely be looking at all the tools and data we have for the MLB slate tonight before uh, I'm actually be uh, heading over to the Hard Rock Casino here in Tampa tonight. Watch a little live fights. So uh, it, it's been, I think, like since 2019 is the last time I went and saw live fights. Really? You haven't been? Like it's been, yeah, I mean, all, yeah, I mean, all, obviously all of 2020 and then like, I mean, here in Tampa, it, we used to be kind of a hotbed for regional MMA, yeah. but uh, it, it's kind of died down and the CFFC has been coming here more recently, but the, uh, I want to say this is the third time they've come to Tampa, but the previous two times just, uh, it did work with my schedule, but no, man, I'm looking to uh, go see some, nice. a lot of, a lot of local talent, a lot of up and coming local talent on this car. They've got, they do, uh, they did lose one title fight, but they still have a flyweight title fight. Uh, Santa who fought on uh, the contender series. He's uh headlining this show. Uh, against the guy that I spoke to, Lloyd McKinney. So, uh, but I'm looking forward to it, man. And, you know, I always say this. Part of my entertainment of going to local shows is the things fans say in the crowd. Yeah. I mean, I can see you and Tyler having a laugh when, when you get some ridiculous <laughs> fans out there. I'm over here face palming whenever I hear any of these idiots in the crowd. Um, yeah. I don't know. It, it's a... <laughs> I mean, it's, it's frustrating as a purist, but I, I get it. And we're thankful to have any support from the fans. Oh, I forget who I was talking to. I asked him, like, I'm like, do you hear the crowd? They're like, oh, sometimes like there's times are like, I mean, oh, like, you, look, you bro, hear, you hear the crowd. I mean, like kick him in the balls. You know, there's a good chance someone has had a few cocktails in them and they're going to yell that out. Oh, yeah. I mean, you hear it. You hear a lot. Obviously, like if it's chaotic and and the action is ridiculous and the crowd is amplified you're not going to be able to selectively hear but like you know in the moments of of the fight when you're sitting there and you're being methodical and then somebody just screams out something random like i can even i'd be like oh that's my dad that's my stepmom that's my girlfriend that's my mom you know what i mean like i like i can <laughs> totally put a finger on who's saying stuff okay so now i know i know my objective for your next fight i, I already know it I just got to recruit some people in the casino, 
just gonna hand some tickets and go uh, look I, I need you to yell out just some crazy like i'm just gonna like say i'm, I'm gonna give him like a cue card thanks, I go, can you i'm gonna go can you yell out take down city i need you to yell us out about five times as I long go, as, as, long as what you're having him yell out is like not going to sabotage <laughs> me i'm okay with it like you know we want me we want me performing well and uh oh, you know i Pete, think the, the long will... island crowd's gonna be you know in for it, especially with uh shane burgos on the card is the only true um new yorker Pete, I will give the whole, give him the old D twist. I'll, I'll do if if Jason calls, I will be there for you, my friend. We know you are. We will know you will answer man. the bell, Tyler. Uh, that's fan, That's funny. I'll be like, hey man, can I be one of your cornermen? Yeah, that's a. I love you, Jason. <laughs> I love you, Jason. But no. Um. <laughs> Oh man, but uh yeah, but looking forward to that tonight. So uh but of course we're here to break down UFC Long Island main event. We got Yair Rodriguez taking on Brian Ortega. Brian Ortega, he is eighty five hundred on DraftKings, seventy seven hundred for Yair Rodriguez. Of course, these two guys scheduled for 25 minutes, first time we have seen Ortega since that, that loss to Volkanovsky. And, uh, you know, I mean, Pete, when I think of this fight, I, I think it's it just comes down to how does this fight play out? Mm-hmm. If this, you tell me this fight hits the ground, man, you, you got to really love Ortega in the spot. But if this fight stays on the feet, you just know there is going to be some openings for Yair Rodriguez to take advantage of. Yeah, I mean, broken price tags on both of them, if you want me to be honest, five-round atmosphere violent violent fight between ortega and yair 8500 for ortega 7700 for rodriguez however this fight goes i feel like it's optimal at least that's how i'm approaching the the slate so mm-hmm. i'm making a group on stochastic uh, stochastic.fantasycruncher.com and i'm getting to one of these guys in my lineups now i do feel like it's a very very close fight because it all comes down to the game plan of both fighters i actually think ortega will struggle on the feet at kicking range obviously because yair rodriguez has such dexterity and just um you know a variety of attacks so he can keep ortega guessing and he can bury a lot of kicks to the body legs and head um you know it's interesting because yair did struggle a lot against the korean zombie in the boxing you know in the boxing realm until he pulled out like one of the biggest hail mary elbows of all time and ended up capturing that victory um so like striking wise i actually think that yair improved in the max holloway fight and looked phenomenal and I think that he can be a dangerous, dangerous fighter for Ortega. I'm favoring Yair Rodriguez slightly, you know, because of the salary and uh, just how I kind of foresee this going. And I think Ortega can be co- can be lulled into a brawl. If Ortega's game plan is to mix in takedowns and tailored his game plan around his strengths, which is his jujitsu, then I really think that at 8,500, you're talking about a guy that can pick up a submission win within, you know, inside the distance, obviously. And, uh, if he goes out there and he tries to replicate what Frankie Edgar did, obviously not a, the, the same type of wrestling uh, skill set that Frankie has, but the jujitsu edge is extremely clear, then uh, Ortega can easily, easily get this done. So I'm picking Yair Rodriguez in the fight, but I'm not avoiding this fight at all. Ortega is going to be one of my most exposed. Same with Yair. Sam, I uh, appreciate you in the Super Chat. I always appreciate you. You're checking out the show and supporting the show. Really do appreciate that. You know, look, one of the things that I, I did see a little bit before the show yesterday, Brian Ortega did talk about wanting to get back to his jujitsu roots, mm-hmm. which if you're a Brian Ortega backer on Saturday, you absolutely love hearing that. I mean, we always talk about is what is that easier path to a victory and, and the path to victory, the easier path for Brian Ortega is, is always say, don't let the ego get the best of you and and attempt to get this one to the ground and and force the grappling side of it you know i I will i think i'll find myself with more ortega than i will rodriguez but i i I like what you said there i think you got to get to both sides of this matchup just because of 25 minutes i will tell you over on prize picks i think the under 22 uh and three quarters fight time on brian ortega is kind of interesting Mm -hmm. um that one i don't know if that number is going to get any better you know, but I'm kind of more thinking that this that there is going to be a stoppage at some point 
in this matchup, you know, so, but to me, I, I think it's a fight that you definitely have to prioritize. Now let's move over to the co-main event, a female matchup. You got Michelle Watterson taking on Amanda Lamos, man, Lamos, 9,400 Michelle Watterson. She is 6,800 and uh, Michelle Watterson, obviously a, a longtime veteran of the UFC. She's talked about this week of kind of hoping maybe the UFC would adopt an anim weight division, which would be more of her natural weight class. But for me, for Michelle Watterson to pull off the upset here, she, She's got to make this a grappling match. Yeah. So I, I think that Michelle, you know, she's proven she's extremely tough, but I feel like we have seen her uh, regress a little bit and um, she's not, she's not the same fighter she used to be. And it's primarily because she's starting to just throw hands specifically um, her kicks and her distance striking used to be like her bread and butter. In addition to mixing some takedowns, a lot of head and arm throws, which I think could be a difference maker here against Amanda Lamosh. Both of these ladies have trained together a little bit at Jackson Wink uh, several years ago. Um, since then, we've seen Amanda Lamosh really turn a corner in her career, and we've seen Michelle Waterson kind of uh, fall from fall from the top rankings, if you will. Still, still a big, big name in women's MMA, of course. I feel like you know with this fight going the distance, I can see Michelle with the correct game plan making this competitive. So I'm going to sprinkle her in some of my lineups at 6,800, more of a salary play than a performance play. It's just like if she wins the decision, uh, she could get us, you know, let's call it 70 points or something like that. I just don't foresee her having so much success, whether it's on the feet. I think Amanda Lamos is going to make her pay in some combinations, uh, test that that chin of Michelle Waterson. She's She's been extremely hittable uh, of late. And I think that Lamos rolls here. It's just a salary of 9,400. The only way that she pays off the salary is obviously with a finish. Finishing Michelle Waterson, I think, is tough. It's not impossible. But what what Michelle's uh, toughness could actually do to to Lamos at 9,400 is possibly rack up some knockdowns. And uh, we see Waterson get back to her feet. So I'm getting to Lamos. I'm not, like, in love with her her salary uh, because of how I see this fight going. And I feel like there's some other options out there that have a higher – chance of a finish, but I'm getting to her at 9,400. I'm just going to have to wait on ownership. If she comes in massively over-owned, I might be a little neutral or below it. And uh, I'm expecting her to roll and get a victory here, but you know, 9,400 is a little tough when it comes to the rest of the slate. Yeah, I mean, we, we look at the ownership. I mean, look, uh, for what we're seeing right now, it is just not much there for Michelle yeah. Watterson, which is understandable. You know, if I was probably going to look at doing anything with Michelle Watterson, probably more in a cash game as, as opposed to into a GPP. We mentioned this question from uh, Joshua. He says, yeah. if it goes the distance, does Lamos throw enough volume to win a fight? Yeah, shout out to Josh. What's up? Um, I would probably say there are very few fighters who have both volume and power. Lamos is a sniper and has power. So she could have more damaging shots and damage weighs a lot in the eyes of the judges. And it did, you know, besides just being the the fighter who's extremely active. So to answer his question, no, I would say probably not for volume, but for damage. Yes. So that's why I think she's going to get the decision and um, you know, it's going to be competitive because Michelle's going to make it competitive early, but I feel like the longer the fight goes, Lamos is going to touch her up. And damage is the number one priority when it comes to judges scoring a fight, even though last week didn't necessarily agree with the Michael Johnson and Jamie Malarkey decision. I thought that was a Michael Johnson uh, win there, but mm-hmm. uh, there's always going to be probably one fight a week. That's going to have a scorecard that maybe we don't agree with. Let's move over. Next up. We got Lee Jialing taking on Muslim Salakoff, Salakoff, 8,600 Lee Jialing, 7,600. What's your take Pete? I'm interested in both sides on this, to be honest. And, uh, I was listening to some interviews and Muslim Salikov coming from a, a, a Sanda background in addition to uh, Jing Liang. So both of these guys are um, known in the, the Chinese MMA and martial arts community pretty well. So I thought it was pretty captivating that, you know, the, the matchmakers paired them up against each other and they've known of each other. They've always had their, their eyes on each other and they've cross trained for a couple of weeks at extreme couture during, you know, a, a couple of their camps. So um, I think that there's going to be respect here, but I also think that there's a lot on the line for this matchup. I think that Salikov is the more of the, is the sniper of the two, whereas Jing Liang is the banger of the two. And uh, Jing Liang will crash distance, throw ridiculous combinations. But, I mean, he does make some defensive mistakes. And against a guy of 
extreme, extreme striking skill. Um, you know, the, the king of Kung Fu, Muslim Salikov, I think can make him pay. And uh, the, the takedowns are interesting because Muslim Salikov showed off a, a different wrinkle in his game um, in his past fight against uh, Francisco Trinaldo, where he, he landed two takedowns and he went two of three in the takedown department, which is something to kind of solidify rounds. And I'm going to be siding with Muslim Salikov. I think he has some sneaky KO upside. But with all that being said, if, I, if I'm looking at this slate as a whole, as you guys should always, Jing Liang is one of the best underdogs on the slate because if he wins in order to outperform Muslim Salikov, I think he's going to score really, really well. So I'm, I'm prioritizing this fight and um, I'm going to be picking Salikov, but I think Jing Liang is in a great underdog role as well. Yeah, I will tell you, there's, I just, this is one of those slates. I have a feeling one of these 9,000 fires is not going to win. Yeah. I mean, more often than not, somebody lays an egg and, um, you know, these big favorites, it's difficult in MMA to live up to the odds all the time because it's, there's so many variables in an MMA fight. We talk about it so many, so many ways to make a mistake. And when you're fighting at the top level, you get people that capitalize on mistakes. So uh, don't be afraid to leave salary on the table. I already crunched a bunch of my lineups and made sure I left some salary on the table. Yeah, it's something you definitely have to do. And of course, you hear Pete and I talking about ownership. And that's something that is one of the big tools that I'm looking at. And if you want to get access to our ownership projections and so much more, you got to sign up for a Stochastic Plus Platinum Pass, where you get access to everything we have over at stochastic.com for, you know, top, you know, player projections, ownership projections, so much more. These are tools that, that Pete and I are using every single week to develop our MMA lineups. And if you've never been a Stochastic Plus member, we got a great deal for you right now. As if you're a new user of Stochastic Plus, you can save 50% off your first week of any Stochastic Plus pass. So whether you want to get access to all the sports we have over Stochastic.com, or maybe you just want an MMA pass, you can sign up for that MMA pass, get you that top fire tool, ownership projections, so many other tools and data we have over there. It's a great way to develop your lineups. And I'll tell you, already looking at our ownership projections, there are some fighters that are low owned that I definitely want to take a shot on. So you got to take advantage of this tremendous deal. If you've never been a Stochastic Plus member, get 50% off your first week. Use that promo code MMA Strategy Show. All word, all caps, all one word, MMA strategy show for 50% off your first week of Stochastic Plus Platinum. This is for new users only and highly recommend adding Fancy Cruncher to your account as that will help you out a ton with your lineups. So, Pete, let's move over to the next matchup. I mentioned about some of these 9,000 favorites that mm. do in some ways scare me. Let me go to the Suma Darji and Nat Schnell fight. Mm-hmm. Matt Schnell, 7,100. Sumadarji, 9,100. I'm looking at the ownership projection right now have, have on Matt Schnell. It is way too low. Yep. Look, I, I like Sumadarji to win the fight. Same. But when we're talking about GPPs and we're playing you know, multi-entries, even if you're just playing a 20 max, you to me, I want to get the Matt Schnell this week because, look, if Matt Schnell goes out and wins, I think, it's, I, I think the probability in this fight is that someone's getting finished in this fight. Yeah. So, I mean, we're on the same page and that's how I build lineups, right? Like, obviously I'm going to be favoring one side or the other. Um, and I am favoring Sumu Derji here. And I, I think that him being a long Southpaw only having a two inch reach advantage, but how he throws his strikes can give Matt Schnell problems. And we've seen the, the chin of Matt Schnell not check out time and time again. Mm-hmm. But when Matt Schnell does put everything together, he looks like a, a high ranked, you know, fighter. He really does. He has the skills. He just doesn't have the durability. And uh, there have been times where his durability has checked out and it surprised me like the Tyson Nam fight, of course. Um, the Hogerian Bontarine was interesting as well, but like he's able to get finished in his fight. So this is a volatile fight. Now, if this hits the mat, I think Matt Schnell cuts through Sumur Derji, like, you know, like a hot knife through butter. Like I, I truly do. I, I think that Matt Schnell's submission chops are going to be on display if it reaches that. So pretty similar to how, like, I think that, you know, Jing Liang, if he wins, he scores well. I view the same thing for Matt Schnell. And the fact that he's going up against a 9,000 fighter in Sumer Derji, yeah, he's, he's from American top team and has improved and has 
you know, early KO upside, like true early KO upside over Matt Schnell, there's no way I'm, I'm going to have bare minimum uh, ownership on Matt Schnell. I've already crunched. I've already have a decent amount of them. And uh, it comes, it comes down to the game plan. Now the issue with Matt Schnell is like not going to the takedown. Well, he doesn't have great takedowns. He has good jujitsu. Uh, he attempted uh, one takedown against Hector Sandoval and then was knocked out. Um, there's only been a couple fights where he's attempted two takedowns. So if he's able to get one, that may be all he needs, similar to how he did against Luis Smolka, one of one and got a quick submission finish. So I love what you're saying there, Jason. And this is just a, an ownership play for me. And uh, I'm going to be getting to both sides, favoring Sumo Derji. But man, people are disrespecting Matt Schnell's finishing ability. Yeah, Schnell hasn't been at ATT for a while. He's uh trained in Texas. No, no, no. Sumer Derji. Oh, okay. Yep. Okay. I, I misunderstood you there. I mean, look, yeah. it's I think this is a matchup when you talk about, you know, one thing I'd always recommend is like printing up the fight card. And then, you know, and, and if you're a stochastic plus member, printing up that top fire tool. And then there's certain fights I think that you just have to circle and say, okay, these are fights I need to prioritize. And this matchup, I think, is one of those fights. When we talk about the main event, to me, that's mm -hmm. that's one of those fights. I'll tell you, just as an ownership play, a fight that I might ultimately prioritize is the second fight of the card because the, it's a fight that just does not have a lot of ownership on either side of the card. Those are, are some of the things that, to me, when you're developing lineups, that you have to take in consideration of where is the field getting to, what fights they might be over-owned on, what fights they may be under-owned on, and, and what fights have the, the high probability of potentially getting finished. And, and to me, Sumo Darcy match now is another one. Now, to me, my second favorite fight of the night is the next one we're going to talk about. And this is just, this has got banger written all over it mm -hmm. of Shane Burgos and Charles Jordan. Jordan 7,200, Shane Burgos 9,000. Look, I think the the salaries on this are a little wide to me. Okay. I, I think this fight is closer than the salaries indicate. Shane Burgos clearly should be the favorite. I do have some kind of concerns about if this becomes a brawl mm -hmm. and potentially Charles Jordan can take advantage of that. Yeah, so uh, this fight's amazing. This is like the the featherweight like backup plan, you know what I mean? Like, man, mm -hmm. these guys are just, they're there to bang and put on a show. And Jordan really brings some high level kickboxing and Shane Burgos brings some high level striking as well with great pressure. Now we have seen Jordan crumble a little bit to the pressure that Arosa put on him in the, in the past, but we've also seen Shane Burgos get hit and damaged a lot in his bouts. And that's the one worry I have with Shane Burgos as a pretty big favorite on DraftKings. And I do agree with you that the, that the odds are a little bit wide. And like we saw the damage that he took and all the shots he took from Josh Emmett, man, that, that can definitely change your career. Then we saw the, the knockout defeat to Edson Barboza, the delayed reaction, all big red flags, the Calvin Cater knockout. He's losing to top level competition, but he's still losing in a pretty damaging manner. So I, I have my concerns with this matchup, and I feel like this week there's going to be some, some crazy variables, and there's going to be a lot of variance to the slate. So, you know, plan accordingly. A lot of these fighters that we're expecting to win, they may lay an egg or the underdogs, you know, like we said, it's a more competitive matchup. So this, this card is a GPP card all day long because Jordan, one of my most exposed underdogs, I do think that Shane Burgos can bring the pressure in the correct game plan. It's just a matter, matter of if his uh, durability checks out. Now, I think Burgos might have a sneaky, a sneaky grappling edge over Jordan. And I know Jordan capitalized against Lando Vanada with a nice submission win, but I don't view him as a, uh, as a dangerous grappler. Um, I, I think that he caught Vanada in a very, very good choke. But I think that there is some wrestling upside to Burgos in this matchup if he goes to that well. I think it's just a matter of blending it together and working with his former opponent and Josh Emmett, you know, high caliber training partner for a little bit over at Sacramento. And then, you know, back at Tiger Shulman's for the, for the remainder of his camp. I'm leaning towards Shane Burgos. But again, I'm expecting underdogs to come through this week. And Charles Jordan pulling off the upset wouldn't really surprise me. These are both high volume strikers. When you look at the mm -hmm. strikes, strikes landed per minute, 7.95 for Burgos, 5.6. Just going to throw, just going to throw something out there, Pete. 
Could we stack the fight? Oh, it's a good one. I mean, the stack last week that somebody asked, um, it was Ronnie Lawrence against Syed Yokob. That didn't work out because Syed Yokob had a very, very dominant performance. If somebody has a dominant performance, stacking will not work. If a competitive fight ensues between both of them and it's craziness galore, I'm going to, I'm probably going to like, you know, in a 20 match, just completely get different, stack some of these odd, oddball matchups like a Burgos Jordan. I don't hate it. Um, it's just a matter of does Burgos or Jordan's durability hold up the entire 15 minutes? Yeah, no, no question about it. Now, the opening fight of the main car on ABC will be a flyweight matchup. Misha Tate making her 125-pound debut. Taking on Lauren Murphy, 8,800 for Misha Tate, 7,400 for Lauren Murphy. This fight was supposed to take place two weeks ago. However, fight got delayed two weeks due to Lauren Murphy testing positive for COVID. And, uh, you know, this is one of those fights that as we sit here on a Thursday, I want to see what both fighters look like on the scale tomorrow. What does Misha Tate look like on the scale at 125 pounds, as opposed to how she has looked at 135 pounds. So like, this is also one of those things of, okay, you know, if you're Lauren Murphy, what is your, what's the ideal game plan? Here's the ideal game plan of just say, you know what, let me just piece up Misha Tate on the feet. Yeah. It has to be sprawling brawl. It really does. And, I'm worried about this fight, man. Like uh, when we were doing our odd shopper video, if you guys haven't checked it out, please do so. Um, where we, we break down everything from a betting standpoint and try to pick props that we really like. This fight's volatile. And the reason there's it's so volatile is you have Misha Tate dropping down a weight class, which is a pretty significant cut for a girl that, you know, looked fantastic on the scale in, in, her, in her most recent bout. And then you also have Lauren Murphy coming off of COVID. So how can you truly have trust in either one of these? And you have to pay attention to the weigh-ins. And I can see this spoiling, spoiling a lot of parlays because I'm a little worried that Misha Tate's overlooking Lauren Murphy. Like, I, I truly feel like she's, you know, has her eyes set past Lauren Murphy, thinking about that Shevchenko possibility and, um, you know, just kind of like a, a new weight class and just has to pick up an easy win. Like, Lauren Murphy's a tough out. And Lauren Murphy can sprawl and brawl decent. But Misha Tate's wrestling should be the difference maker here. And her boxing's competitive. Uh, I, I think that the volume of Laura Murphy is going to bring out the wrestling of Misha Tate. And uh, I'm going to be favoring Misha Tate just because I feel like she, from a physicality standpoint, she's probably going to be stronger. And we, we know that if she can get it to the mat, she can put on a, a, a hell of a performance. So um, it's a lean towards Misha Tate. But man, women's MMA, you always know if you are a little bit more overexposed on the underdog, tends to work out more often than not. Yeah, it's one of these matchups that I don't think I'm going to find myself getting a ton to because I just don't, Amisha Tate 8,800 in comparison to some of these other fights that I just think have a high probability of the fight ending via finish. That's why I, I necessarily do not want to get there. But, um, you know, that's obviously could be a little bit of an ownership play here as we get to Saturday morning as we're developing all of our lives here. Of course, so this is a strategy show and we are sponsored by Prize Picks. You got to check out Prize Picks. You head over to prizepicks.com or download. Their app in the app store, and of course, uh, when you sign up, be sure to use that promo code Awesomeo as they've got an instant first match deposit of up to one hundred dollars. Simple, you want to put a hundred dollars in your account, they're going to give you an additional hundred, or maybe you only want to put twenty in, they'll give you additional twenty. So you got to take advantage of that great promo they have for the listeners here at the MMA Strategy Show. And Pete, I'm looking first off over at Fight Time, and I'll mention about a fight that we've already talked about. Suma Darji, 12 and a half as a fight time. I'm going to target the under on that one, Pete. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the under is a good play. Mudarji is going to come out aggressive. And Matt Schnell talked about, you know, his back being against the wall. And a cornered animal is a dangerous animal. And I feel like Schnell could either, you know, get finished early or just completely implement his grappling and uh, go for the finish. So I like the under on that play. Another uh, fight time prop that I'm going to be targeting as well as the fight we're about to break down, Punaheli Soriano. Um, we, we saw with his opponent, Dolce, in his last fight, just awful fight IQ of wearing down. It's at 10 minutes. I'm going to target the under in that one. Yeah, I, I feel like the under's a good play. And uh, Dolce can knock out Puna, and, and Puna needs to respect the power of Dolce. So. But from a skill set, I, I think that Puna's much more skilled than Dolce and comes from a better camp. So. I think that, you know, the under is another good, another good play. 
For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A couple of of takedown props that stick out to me over at Prize Picks. Uh Jack Shore two takedowns. And we're going to talk about that fight a little bit. That's I wouldn't I might go the under on that one. I I'm, I may be hoping that that Noah maybe gets up to two and a half that people start betting, start making plays on the over uh, because I think that's going to be a fight that plays out on feet. Obviously, both of them have have a grappling upside there. Uh, the under one and a half on Puna Soriano, I think, is another interesting takedown prop over there. Um, and also the one and a half on Herbert Burns against Bill Algeo is another takedown prop that uh, is intriguing to me. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the the shore one against Ricky Simone. Ricky Simone has amazing hips and he's the dominant wrestler in that situation. He may, it's, it's going to be a scramble city and I can't wait to watch it. And I don't think that shore will land that many takedowns. I think that he can reverse several takedowns or scramble enough, but I don't think he's going to land two takedowns. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it, the problem is like, you almost want that to get to two and a half. Meaning he has to get to three to get right. to make that as opposed to maybe you know, they're just kind of, you know, he gets a takedown, but, you know, Simone's up in, in five seconds. You know, that, that could be a little bit of worry there. But, of course, uh, appreciate the sponsorship there from Prize Picks. Of course, be your, be sure to use that promo code AWESOMO for an instant first match deposit of up to $100. Move over next up to a matchup that we just kind of talked about a little bit there. Punaheli Soriano taking on Dolce. 9200 for Punaheli, 7000 for Dolce. And, you know, Pete, I know we live, we have very short-term memories in May. <clears throat> you know it, I know it. I can't get. Dolce's last fight out of my memory where he was, I mean, he was lighting up Cody Brunch. I mean, light him up and he got tired, sloppy shot, got guillotined. Yeah. I mean, but he looked good while he was lighting up Brundage and like his hands look great when he throws them and he's, he's around one type of guy, uh, you know, liability in the cardio department. So you always worry about him gassing out as the fight goes late. And that's where like, I think that Puna Soriano even though that he's shown signs of fatiguing in the past, I think that he has a better gas tank and he has a more well-rounded skill set. Dolce coming from a judo background and opponent Soriano having a wrestling background as well. He's able to mix things up if he wants to. It's just, he's fallen in love with his hands. Now, let me tell you that when you're on back-to-back defeats, you're willing to do anything to get a victory. Mm-hmm. And coming from a strong camp and extreme couture, I think that Puna could look for a takedown to make it the easiest path to victory here in, in getting rid of Dolce. But I think he could look at countering Dolce as well. So Puna Soriano coming off a two-fight two skid, I mean, Price has a pretty high favorite, 9,200. I get it, and I understand it. But I feel like like Dolce at 7,000, if he wins, it's probably by catching Puna from dis, disrespecting his striking. And uh, I'm going to have some sprinkles on Dolce Lugamula. But Puna Alessoriano is the side that I'm just backing and have more faith in, to be honest, at 9,200. I mean, look, Puna has uh, definitely cost me some money yeah. uh, in some of these recent fights, but um, I do find myself favoring him in this matchup. Next up, we'll go to that matchup we just talked about a moment ago. Jack Shore and Ricky Simone. Ricky Simone, 7,800. Jack Shore, 8,400. And I was thinking about this a little bit before the show today and thinking about both these guys having those grappling bases and, you know, and kind of thinking that it's, you know, like if you were going down a column and, you know, you had, you know, the grappling, I would probably call it a little bit even between these two guys. Maybe I give a slight edge to Ricky Simone. Uh, You know, Ricky Simone is a smaller fighter um, in this one. And I keep thinking about like, who's the better striker 
and I keep the and I I guess I give the slight edge to Jack Shore. Yeah, it's weird, right? It's a very very competitive fight, and extremely interesting because I hold both of these fighters in high high regard. Like I I think that they are the future of the division, and this is like an early crossroads for both of them, and then they'll probably meet up again in the future and might even fight three times because I think they're going to be ranked for quite some time. Ricky Simone is one of my favorite fighters inside the UFC. Oddly enough, I love how he blends everything together. He's, you know, fallen in love with his hands, but hasn't gotten away from his strengths. And his relentless takedown approach has been evident in every single fight. I mean, two of four against the Sun South, six of nine against Kelleher, seven of 10 against Perello, Ray Borg, seven, 11, six of 16 against Rob Font. So if he's losing a fight standing, he's going to do everything he can to tailor it around his strengths and try to get back to the takedowns because his top control is great, and uh, he he can usually out-muscle people. Jack Shore is a technician in a way, and he's able to blend things as evidence in the Timur Valiev fight, uh, Ludovic Shalinian, and the close split decision win over Hunter Azure, who has you know a pretty good wrestling background as well. Now, Shore's used to being the better wrestler or grappler in certain situ- uh, situations, and I'm just really intrigued to see how this unfolds. I mean, he went three of seven in the takedown department against Timur Valiev, two of eight against uh, Ludovic Shalinian, and six of 13. The six of 13 is pretty, pretty big for going up against a, uh, a dangerous wrestler in Hunter Azure. So I would agree with you that standing up, I think Jack Shore might have more success, um, a little bit more variety, whereas Ricky Simone, big, big shots on the feet. Um, one of the best underdogs on the slate, just given how intense in the pace of the fight. But again, like, I can actually see a sneaky stack of this fight working out too, Jason. Like both of these guys have high, high volume and uh, I'm just intrigued to see what happens. I, I think I'm favoring Shore in the matchup slightly, but Ricky Simone is one of the best values at 7,800. And Mahler 138 was just kind of throwing out there about a yep. potential stack of doesn't know if he if he has the the thought process to actually pull the trigger on that one. But uh, you know, I mean, I think the the question with that stack, I think, really, really becomes down to is is this a situation where on both sides of the equation that these guys could score a takedown, get those five points, but their opponent just hops right back up to their feet? Yeah, but that's good though. I mean, like that's what we want, right? Like we want like points galore in the. The salary comparison for Jack Shore against Ricky Simone, 8,400 for Shore, Simone at 7,800. You could even have Jack Shore in a losing effort score a lot more than people who actually win a fight. Now, if you were to stack the uh, Shane Burgos and Charles Jordan, 9,000 and 7,200, you'd like to, you would have to believe that Burgos has to extremely score well at 9,000 mm-hmm. compared to the other high priced options. So I just think the salaries of Shore and Simone make the stack a little bit more viable than the Jordan Burgos. Next up, we got a matchup between two fighters who had two different opponents on this fight card, but their opponents both uh, pulled out of the event. So the UFC matched them together. That'd be Bill Algeo and Herbert Burns. Bill Algeo, 8,700, 7,500 for Herbert Burns. Bill Algeo has always been kind of one of my favorite guys just to watch fight. You talk about, you know, you hear this analogy in the MMA betting sphere, in the DFS sphere. He's going to fight for your money. And like, that's the way I would describe Bill Algeo. Yeah. And he, he definitely is. Bill Algeo is going to be one of my most exposed fighters on the slate. Now, last week I had Kyle Ohio as one of my most exposed fighters on the slate and he looked damn good. I also had Ricky Tercios and that did not look good at all because I don't know what the hell that was, what kind of performance that was. But, uh, this week, man, I really like Bill Algeo at 8,700. And I, I think he's, a very difficult matchup for Herbert Burns because he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. He has the more superior striking, I would say, and the more diverse attacks. Herbert Burns' striking has been improving, obviously working a lot at Sanford MMA over the years. His jiu-jitsu is his bread and butter. It really is. Now, the issue is the inactivity and the layoff of Herbert Burns. And I kind of you know dove into it because we haven't seen him since uh, August of 2020. So nearly two years ago, and uh, coming off a big, big surgery of ACL, ACL surgery. So I don't really like hearing that. And, uh, you know, not being acclimated to the cage is a big red flag for me, especially when you're going up against a very competitive opponent. I'm going to be favoring Bill Algeo here. Now, with that being said, I have to tell you my big worry. 
and it's Algeo giving up his back. He gives up his back so much in his fights that Herbert Burns is jujitsu. You know, he's so good at taking the back or getting you in a terrible position. Obviously, Joe Anderson Brito had Algeo in a bad spot. He was able to survive. Ricardo Hamosh had him in terrible spots and he was able to survive. Even Spike Carlisle at times. All three talented jujitsu fighters. I would have to imagine that Bill Algeo has enough skill to avoid some of those spots, but I don't like how it's just a tendency of his. Like it's a bad, bad trait that he gives up his back so much against a dangerous fighter. If he didn't have that, I would be almost locking in Bill Algeo this week. I love him. Um, but Herbert Burns, man, in the UFC has been quite the finisher when he wins. So I can't wait to see the fight unfold, but it's Algeo for me. Next up, we have got a matchup between Jacoby and Jung. Jacoby, 8,300, 7,900 for Jung. Uh, spoke to uh, Dash Jacoby about, uh, I guess, about three weeks ago at this point. And uh, one of my one of the things I asked him about was, you know, when, when you look at what Jung has done in the UFC, the the, the outlier fight that really sticks out to you uh, is the matchup against William Knight, where he landed seven takedowns. And you know, I said, I go, hey, when you have a when you're taking on a fighter where you primarily see that he is a striker, but then there's this one outlier where he did go to takedown route. I mean, how does it affect? And basically, the short story was he's not expecting to see Jung going for takedowns. Uh, I think that's a mistake. I, I truthfully do because like what a fighter applies in some matchups doesn't mean they're going to apply the same strategy towards you. And you got to imagine not many people are going to be willing to, you know, stand and trade with Dustin Jacoby. You're a fantastic kickboxer. Why the heck is anybody going to be willing to do that for all 15 minutes? Now I do think that Jung has the skills to do so on the feet. Um, he KO'd Mike Rodriguez in pretty spectacular fashion. He attempted one takedown against Hadis Ibrahimov in his debut, three takedowns against Sam Alvey, and went eight of nine against William Knight, as you just mentioned. I think that there's more ways for Jung to win this fight than Dustin Jacoby. And Dustin Jacoby needs to be, you know, he needs to implement the correct game plan. And that's, you know, dance around the octagon, which he needs to avoid getting pressed against the cage because I think Daun Jung has the combinations to crash forward. And, uh, you know, test that takedown defense or test the inside striking. I'm going to be favoring the under, underdog here in Dalton Jung, 7,900. I truthfully am just because I feel like, you know, in Jacoby's fights we've seen, he's not easy to take down, but obviously he can be taken down. And if he is, that's not in his realm of expertise. I think Jung is one of the most interesting underdogs on the slate. I don't hate Jacoby, but throughout Jung's UFC career, his, his uh, durability has checked out. So a decision win from Jacoby versus a decision win from Jung. I would like to think that Jung would score more just given the takedown nature. And Marcos brings up a great point about how this betting line has flipped over oh, the wow. past couple of days where just Jacoby, uh, what had been the betting favorite in this one, uh, but over the past couple of days is now flipped. So it tells you how the betting public is looking at this fight. The betting public is looking uh, at Jung. And I mean, look, one thing about Jacoby, I mean, the guy's been unbeaten for the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's, he's done well there. Uh, and maybe tell you what prize picks thinks of this fight. The fight time for Jacoby on this one is 14 and three quarters that kind of tells you how they expect to see what's go uh and i thought one of the more interesting things about what jacoby did say to me is this is it will be in a 30 footer cage it won't be in a 25 footer and i and i was like well i gotta imagine you love that 30 footer he's like no he's like he was actually i prefer the 25 footer which was kind of weird to me when you think yeah. of jacoby with that that kickboxing base as opposed, you would think he'd like that bigger cage. So uh, this is a good matchup there at 205 pounds. Two more fights to break down. And this next fight, Pete, could be a fight that we may have to be looking at deeper over the next couple of days just because neither fighter is getting ownership here. That's the white grand, Dustin Stolfus. Grant's 8,900, Stolfus 7,300. Yeah, this fight's ugly as heck because Dwight Grant, man, Dwight Grant coming off a, a knockout defeat to Sergey Kondoshko, and that was back in April. And uh, here we are three months later, and he's back in the cage. Now, good for him. He's not facing a talented striker in Dustin Stolzfus, but he's facing a much more uh, well-rounded guy and a natural middleweight, whereas Dwight Grant was a former welterweight. So at some point, size you know, does come into play. And Dwight Grant early in his career started off at, in, at middleweight a little bit, but 
I think that Dustin just being a little bit more acclimated to the weight class um, has been winless inside the octagon. I think that the the strength could be a difference maker here and his durability has checked out. So that's my one, my, my one way I could see Dwight Grant winning most fights is by landing a big shot despite having lackluster volume. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. And I, I don't really hate Dustin Stolzfist's durability. I don't enjoy his skill set, but I mean, he attempted seven takedowns against Kyle Dawkins, even three takedowns against Rodolfo Vieira, and four takedowns against Gerald Mearshart, where he landed four or four. Can Dwight Grant defend the takedowns from the bigger man consistently? And uh, I'm going to lean towards the underdog and say that Dustin Stolzfist, despite not being the, the most attractive underdog on the slate or one of the best plays on the slate, I'm going to lean in his direction and think that he can get it done. Now, I think this is going to go 15 minutes. I hope I'm not wrong, but uh, it's going to be a lean towards the underdog Stolzfist at 7,300. Yeah, I mean, I think that, look, if you're you're looking to get away from that ownership of some of those 9,000 fighters, you know, taking a stab on Dwight Grant, I don't mind. You're taking stabs on Dolphus. Right. And, and for me, it's an ownership play in, mm-hmm. in terms of, uh, you know, more of looking at it, of playing multi-entries. Now, of course, this is the Stochastic.com MMA strategy shows. We're breaking down UFC Long Island, of course, coming up here on Saturday. Myself and Peely back here on Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern time. But do want to let you know about a promo we got going on right now over at Stochastic.com as Underdog has launched their Puppy 2 Best Ball Contest for the 2022 NFL season. And you want to reserve your spot before it quickly fills it fills up. With this, we are offered a one dollar weekly access to our best ball kit through Sunday, July the fifteenth. That's eight ninety nine off our original price. This package includes best ball and season long fantasy football rankings, underdog daily draft rankings, and our best ball stacking guide, cheat seats, premium articles, and so much more. To activate this offer, use the promo code Puppy at checkout, or simply click the link in the video description below. That's Promo code PUPPY for $1 weekly best ball draft kit access. You got to take advantage of that as football season's here. And Pete, you know how I know football season's here? Why? I have my first production meeting tomorrow. Oh, dang. <laughs> so I, I know football season's right here. You know, when you get that call, like, hey, man, can we get together on Friday? All right, we'll get together on Friday. That's that's what I know. Yeah, our first preseason game, uh, one month away, Pete. Jeez, it's crazy because I don't like see it's it's tough. I like football season, but I also hate it at the same time because it means that summer's coming to an end. So uh, you know, I love the sport. I wish that obviously I wish I lived in a warmer, warmer climate, but uh, you know, summer's a little too short up here. Uh I'm telling you, when I walk outside, it uh, summer's not ending anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> and that's true. Maybe, maybe it doesn't I, this I, year. As I look at the Apple Watch, it says it's uh currently 90 degrees here in Tampa. Yeah, it's been hot as heck up here as well. So, uh, well, okay, we, what do you consider hot? Well, it's it just humid got as done raining, Pete. It just got done raining. I'm not kidding. It is 98 outside. <laughs> do not yeah, come beautiful. at me with it's hot. It was 107 at 7 p.m. <laughs> yesterday, Pete. Tell me why tell that the, makes sense. The the hottest place I've ever been in my life was Texas, and uh, you know I've trained out in New Mexico. I was cornering one of my buddies in Texas at an outdoor arena. And uh, it was the worst idea ever because like the mat was burning fighters. Oh, it was the dude. worst idea ever, dude. And I was like, you idiots, you, you pick an outdoor arena in Texas. So I remember hearing stories. Remember when Bellator was doing like that summer yep. series at NASCAR events. Yep. And I, and look, it really was, it was a Bellator brand, but it was literally just local FMA. Mm-hmm. And like, I heard stories of the mat being so hot that yep. literally guys were burning the yeah. bottoms of their feet. Yeah. Bottoms of your feet. Or if you get taken down, you're, ah, you know, <laughs> that's terrible. It's terrible. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. Give me out. 
I'm sure there's some tapology results on there. Tap out via Matt burn. Uh, goodness gracious. Yeah. Uh, Marcos goes for only has one season. Now Marcos, like literally in Florida, we could have about three or four seasons in one day. That's yeah, true. I mean, three o'clock every day it rains, right? So um, five, five, five o'clock. Get it right. Okay. Five o'clock. Okay. All right. <laughs> but yeah, I walked outside the house yesterday. I was like, like a newfound appreciation every time I walk out of my house in the summer and go, I'm not built to work outside. For people who work like who who mow yards for a living, work on roofs, mad props to you guys because there is no. I'm not built for that, Pete. I'm not built for that. Yeah, uh, Marcos is in West Palm. Awesome. Um, I'll tell you what, you guys are all soft, though, because if you never spent winters in New England, oh, boy. Why? Why? Why would oh, it's I? It's brutal. And I, you have a new appreciation to everybody who works outside in the freezing cold. It's ridiculous. Would you rather be freezing cold or hot? I would hot. rather be hot. Oh, hot, hot. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Oh, much rather be hot. Same. Yeah. Look, okay. At look, least we agree look, on that. Look, I'm not trying to live in a place where I got to shovel snow to just move my car. Yeah, Jason's gonna cry and tap out over shoveling snow, and uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be doing ride sharing everywhere. Us New Englanders are different, bro. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I remember that when you're shoveling snow. I'm just gonna see a picture. Nice sunny here in Tampa, bro. <laughs> always jealous, always <laughs> jealous. Uh, let's get on to the last matchup of the card as uh, the only fight featuring a fighter making their UFC debut. You got Emily mm-hmm. Dakota taking on Jessica Penne. Of course, Penne, the longtime veteran of the UFC. She is 8,800 for Emily Dakota. Of course, Dakota, uh, Bellator alum most recently fighting in Invicta, uh, where she had won the title there. Uh, Pete, what's your, uh, what's your thoughts here? I am interested in this matchup and naturally every week that 8,200, 8,000 fight sneaks into the optimal lineup more often than not, because it's a very, very close fight. And uh, the salary just makes it so easy for lineups. And uh, usually I don't like fighters debuting against UFC veterans and Jessica Penne having a three and three record in the UFC. You know, she's been around a lot longer than obviously than uh, Emily Dakota. So the, the experience is something you can't really measure. I'm always a little bit worried about fighters having octagon jitters or underperforming under the lights, but it's not like Emily Dakota hasn't performed in high organizations. She's fought in Bellator in the past and also some high regional promotions. So um, I think the striking difference here is pretty significant. Dakota is the much more powerful striker, and it's pretty rare for women's MMA to have like unbelievable power powerful striking and that's why like amanda lamos looks completely different than a lot of her her opponents uh, jessica andrage like you know and i think that emily takoti has some sneaky sneaky pop one of the best knockouts on the regional scene you'll see against uh taylor where she hit her with a beautiful beautiful right hand followed up with a with a nice left head kick i'm picking emily takoti here and uh she's a brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt and that's the one worry i have about anybody going up against jessica penne is if what happens if it hits the mat and mm-hmm. she starts to threaten you with submissions? How do you deal with that? How do you handle that? Dakota most you know, recently promoted to black belt. I think she has enough skills to avoid dangerous situations. Um, but as we say it, man, armbar from guard, always viable. And Jessica Penne has shown that as evidence in the Carolina Kovacavich fight. Yeah, that's the one thing that does concern me about getting Dakota is what happens if Jessica Penne can just you know control her with the grappling. So uh, that's something to think about here. Uh, of course, uh, appreciate everyone tuning in here for the strategy show. Of course, uh, appreciate if you hit that thumbs up. Of course, you're not subscribed. It's stochastic. Do that. Hit that notification bell so you know when a show is live here on the channel. Of course, come up here later on today, 5 o'clock each time. We got MLB deeper dive. Then one hour after that will be MLB live before lock appreciate all the super chats we'll get in those two in a moment now last week i forgot to do the straight up picks which uh clearly is a popular segment in this show because i had multiple people say hey where does straight up picks well here they are here's the straight up dfs picks main event uh give me the favorite at brian ortega i'm gonna go yeah here uh i will go amanda lamosh over michelle waterson lamosh this one i keep going back and forth on I'm going to go Salikov. I'm going Salikov. Uh, give me Sumadarji over Matt Schnell. Sumadarji. I will go Shane Burgos over Charles Jordan. Shane Burgos. Uh, I re- really want, let me just say this. My thought could change after weigh-ins, but right now I will say Misha Tate over Lauren Murphy. Yeah, Misha Tate. Uh, I will take Puna Soriano. Puna. 
Give me the underdog in Ricky Simone. Oh, man. Ricky's my guy. I'm going to say Jack Shore, though. I'll go Bill Algeo. Bill Algeo. Uh, I will go the now underdog, Justin Jacoby. Dao Unjung. Uh, Stolfus and Grant. I'm going to go Stolfus, but literally no no faith I, in this fight. I want to say Stolfus, but I'll, I'll, I'll side with Grant. Uh, and okay. then I'll go Emily Dakota in the first fight of the night. Dakota. Uh, let's get some uh, super chats in here before we get out of here on this edition of the show. Samuel, I'll pop into his usual questions. And Pete, I don't know if you saw this. Yeah, bro. What the heck's he doing? Uh, Sam, you, you drinking already, bro? Like, I mean, I mean, I know I'm going to be drinking later on today, but I mean, bro, it, it's not even two o'clock each time. Over a half is two and a half. Bro, come on, Sam. Bro, Sam, if you're a bookie, you're going out of business this weekend. Sam, if, you, if this two and a half hits and he there's only two finishes on this card, we got to send him something. Traveler. We got to send no, him something. A, no, he needs to send us something from the future because he's a time traveler. <laughs> I think Sam's been up watching the U.S. Open since 2 a.m. and started drinking or something because that line is egregious. Yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, clearly over, 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 over two and yeah. a half. I would say I would put more of that number. I think should probably be around six and a half. I think is is it more appropriate? I think five and a half is fair too. Yeah. Uh, let's go. His usual question here: top two cash plays. I'm gonna go by fights, and it's uh, it's definitely the main event. The the salaries mm-hmm. are broken. Eighty five hundred and seventy seven hundred. That's a cash play. Cannot avoid it. Even stacking it would make sense in cash. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, that's the, that's the one and two for me, honestly. So would you throw Bill Algeo in there? Yeah. I mean, I really like Bill this week, so I, I hope I'm not wrong on that. I would still say, yeah, I'd say Bill Algeo. Top two GPPs. I think from in terms of a fight, I think I would throw Madarji and Schnell in that. Yeah. You got to I mean, there's so many like possible high scoring underdogs this week and a lot of weeks there's there's not i think that you're right onto something with the the machinelle muderji fight i think the burgos and jordan one is probably a priority for me though uh underdogs i mean if if i was going to just like start my lineup with one underdog and the underdog is not named yair rodriguez it might be lee jolling really just because of the of the GPP upside. I think I'm going to go Ricky Simone mm-hmm. slash Da Eun-jung. Um, Just because I, I feel like they're in close matchups and they both have a wrestling upside. If they obviously go to it, um, not easy matchups for them, but them pulling off an upset over their opponent wouldn't really, really surprise me. Uh, top leverage place. Um, I'm looking at that Grant and Stolfus fight just because it's got low ownership on both sides. Um, Michelle Watterson, and, probably the biggest leverage. Yeah. Play. Yeah. Um, in terms of best combinations on prize picks, uh, I would go. I really like the 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 under on fight times. I mentioned a little bit earlier, which is the under on Puna Soriano and under on Sue Madarji. Um, so, uh, if you got any other questions, let us know. Uh, Sam, uh, with another super chat, he goes, Thoughts on the lineup I'm working on Burgos, Jung, Dolce, Ortega, Shore, and Sue Madarzi also have the same, but with Ricky Simone instead of Jack Shore. Yeah, pretty sure I have the same lineup. Um, I don't hate it. And uh, this is GPP territory all day long. If you're doing a single entry, this might be one of the most difficult weeks we've had in a very, very long time. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing I would tell you, Sam, about that lineup that I just really love is that even when you look at the fighters that are the quote unquote underdogs in those matchups, it's they've got a high ceiling. It's not like you're you're finding yourself in a situation where you're taking, you know, an underdog and you're just hoping that they can kind of you know maybe work their way with 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 takedowns, whatnot. I mean, I like like all those those that you mentioned over there. Um, Sam saying uh, it says Florida feels like the bathroom at the local pool, just hot and wet. <laughs> I love it. And we got Marco <laughs> saying that he really likes Lee this weekend. And from an underdog standpoint, man, like he just lost to Hamza Shemaev. So this is a much easier matchup than Hamza Shemaev. Still a difficult matchup, but much easier. 
Yeah, it's uh, but well, we of course we'll be back here on Saturday for a live before lock 10 a.m. Eastern time is when we will be here. Of course, uh, one hour before UFC Long Island prelims at 11 a.m. each time, main card at 2 p.m. each time. Of course, if you ever have any questions for us, you hit us up in the Discord chat. If you want to leave a comment below in the YouTube section, you can do that as well. As always, appreciate everyone checking out us here at the MMA Strategy Show. And that is going to do it for this episode. And we will talk to you on Saturday for live before lock. Have a good afternoon, everybody. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.